you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, you guys? How you doing? I said, how you doing, Movement Church? It is so good to be in this house with you guys uh, today. How many of you are grateful for a church that you could just come home to, you just feel welcome at? Amen. You guys grateful for this church? Amen. Come on. I need you guys to help me out up here. How many of you are grateful for this church? Amen. I got to tell you guys something up. Uh, Pastor Kerry and Megan, they mean the, the world to Tatum and I, and they've been so instrumental in our lives. And, and even in the place we're at today, it was, uh, it was just over, it was about three years ago now, we sensed God calling us out into, uh, to take a big step of faith. And, and Pastor Kerry and, and Megan were instrumental in our lives and kind of pushing us over the edge, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, we felt like God called us to, well, our toes were on the edge, and, and these two just kept pushing us further and further until we fell off that edge. And they called it, and uh, we're a big part of God uh, moving in our lives to step out and plant a church. And through the whole process and all along the way, we've just been so encouraged by them. And they've, they've spoken into our lives and, and, and walked with us along the way. And I can't even explain to you guys how much they mean to us. They are world-class leaders, right? Amen, church? Can you guys just thank God for the leadership that he's brought into this church and the amazing dream team around this church. And I, I can't speak enough honor over, over Carrie and Megan. And um, honestly, you guys, uh, you got some great leaders in this place. And God leads through relationship. And I really genuinely feel, and God builds his kingdom through relationship. And I, I genuinely feel like this is family uh, uh, away from home. And, and it's so good to be with you guys today. Y'all are getting ready to step into a, into a very, very powerful season as a church, and um, I want to speak to that season specifically this morning. I had this picture in my mind of the last several years, you guys just being pulled back like a rubber band, you know, and all that tension and all that energy and all that potential and all that, that, that you've been watching in your midst of God's just getting ready to go. And I guess on October 16th it is, right? You guys are starting a brand new service in a, in a loca- brand new location, and I just think you guys are going to see immeasurably more than all you could possibly ever think or imagine. And all that God's preparing behind the scenes is just going to leave you standing in awe. In, in awe of not only your amazing dream team, your leadership, and, and this church, but in, in awe of God who, according to Ephesians, says that he does immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. According to the power that is at work where? In us. In us. Here's what that scripture is getting you to do. It's getting you to dream a little bit. Listen, what's your dream? God goes, oh, that's cute, because I could do immeasurably more than you could ever think or imagine. Come on, somebody say he does more. Amen. How many believe you that? You believe that today? All right, a couple ground rules before we get in this message. I preach better the more you talk to me. So if this message is bad, it's not my fault. It's yours. You want this to be good? You say, that was good. You say, amen. Amen? Here's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. We're you as a church are, are getting ready to um, step into a brand new season as a church, and I believe God's going to do some incredible things through that. 
I believe he wants to set you up and prepare your hearts. If you're brand new today, I want you to know that God wants to meet you right where you're at and, and is going to speak to you in this message. If, if you've called this church home for a long time, I believe that God's going to speak to your heart in preparation of all that he, he is going to do and is doing now. And I want you just to lean in today. How many of you know it takes, it takes not only anointed preaching, it takes anointed hearing, that something spiritual that takes place as we lean in to what God wants to speak to us today. And so I believe that God has a word for this house and has a word for you guys today. In a message that I, I've entitled, you ready for this message title? When I give this message title, I want you to be like, yes, we want to hear that. The message title is this, and that's how we party, somebody. Come on, who wants to hear a message about how to party, ready? God, we just want to thank you today for your word. We thank you, God, that you've given us your word. And genuinely, right now, we, we recognize that something, something spiritual happens when we, when we open your word, God. It's not just hearing with our ears physically, God, that you're speaking to our hearts spiritually. And so, God, we do pray that you'd anoint the preacher, help that guy out. But, God, help us to hear what you want to say to each and every one of us today. We're not here by accident. We weren't invited by accident, Lord. We're not a part of this by accident. There's something beautiful you're doing in our midst, and there's something you want to speak to us right where we're at as an individual, but also to us corporately, God, as a, as a church body, and what you're leading this amazing family into, Lord God, and this amazing community of believers into. And so today, as we look at your word, God, I ask that you would anoint me, but anoint all of us, Lord, to receive from you all that you want to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone agreed together and said, amen and amen. Thank you so, so much. You guys ready to get into God's word today? Well, listen, let's open our Bibles over to the book of Luke today. You're going to go to Luke chapter uh, 14. And if you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, the verses will be up on the screens for you guys to follow along. In this message that we've entitled, and that's how we party. You guys are entering, a, entering a, um, a very, very important season. You guys are stepping out in, in faith and moving to a, br- a brand new facility. And, and I just want to encourage you guys today that, that and challenge us as a, as a community today, as a church, is that we just seek to get on page with what Jesus wants to do because his dream and his vision is better than our vision could ever be. Amen. How many of you know that God's vision is bigger for our lives than our, our vision for our life can ever be? You with me? Like, and, and God's vision for this church is bigger than our vision in and of ourselves could ever be. And the best thing we could ever do with our life is just allow our vision for our life and our vision for our church and our communities to get on page with his vision. we got to see things the way he sees things. And so that's why I'm talking today about, about the party that we're called to throw. And so let me, let, me, let me ask you this question. It's a big, deep theological question that we're going to wrestle with today. It, it goes like this. If Jesus threw a party, what kind of party would he throw? If Jesus threw a party, I want you to answer this. Like, what kind of party would Jesus throw? So you kind of picture that in your head. Like, what would that party be like? How many of you in here today, like, you love throwing parties? Let me see your hand. Come on. How many of you love throwing parties? Yeah. Keep your hand up if you think you do a good job at throwing parties, right? Like, so, okay, good. The people who like throwing parties think they're good at it, all right? How many of you knew that? Well, you need to pay attention today because you're going to see how Jesus would throw a party, how Jesus throws a party. There was about 95% of you that did not raise your hand when I asked if you like to throw a party. 
So you probably fit into this other category. You're like, I don't like to throw a party, but heck, I'll go to a party, somebody. Like, raise your hand. Like, is that you? Like, okay, yeah, so there's the other 95% of you. Like, I'll go to a party. Like, don't come mess my house up, but I'll mess up your house. Like, I'm not cleaning up after you, but shoot, you could clean up after me, right? And I'll come to your house and I'll party. I don't mind doing that. Come on, amen, somebody, amen. How many of you know that when you get invited to a party, you get tell what kind of party that party's going to be based on the person who's throwing the party, right? Think about it. You ever get those invitations from that guy, that girl, that family, and you're like, uh, yeah, we're busy that day, right? Like, we got something going on, because if we don't, we're going to make something go on, so I don't have to go to this party, right? Come on, let's be honest, somebody. You've had those invitations sent to you. Because she just, like, last time they just kind of endured it. This is kind of something I went through and uh, put up with. I don't want to go through that again. But the people who raised their hands were good at throwing parties in this place, like that 4% of us. When they give you an invitation, how many of you know, like you get the invitation from that guy, you're like, I don't care what was on the calendar because it ain't no more, right? We're going to that party. These people know how to throw a party. Like, just get me there. I can't wait to be there. And I will make room in my life to be at that party. I'll do whatever it takes to get there because I know it's going to be amazing and I don't want to miss it for the world. So let me ask you again. If Jesus threw a party, what kind of party would Jesus throw? It's so important. And again, I I do believe it is a huge question for us to answer. It's It's a big, deep theological question that reveals so much about your relationship with God. How would you respond when you get an invitation from Jesus to attend a party he's throwing? Is it category A? Well, I guess we kind of have to go. He's God and all. (laughs) Do the God duty and show up to the party and and kind of go endure that thing. Or, Or is it the other category? You think Jesus invites me to a party? Clear the calendar. I'm going to make room in my life to be at whatever he touches because whatever he touches is the best thing around. How, how do you see it? If Jesus was to throw a party, what kind of party would he throw? Well, listen, my friends. The truth is this, is that God is throwing a party. Jesus is throwing a party. When we gather together as a church, when the church gathers together and, and we throw this party, Jesus is throwing the party through the church. Are you with me? And the way that we throw this party matters, somebody. It matters. There's so much at stake in the party that we throw. It's, there's lives at stake. There's eternities at stake. There's marriages at stake. There's, there's hope that needs to be restored in the lives of people at, at stake. Like there's addictions that need to be broken at stake. And we have to learn to throw the party that Jesus would throw. Because if we're not throwing the party that Jesus would throw, it's, it's void of the life that Jesus intends for it to have. Are you with me? It's void of what God wants to breathe upon the parties we throw. Because, see, I just, I just believe that what God sees in his heart and mind for the church is so much bigger and so, so much more grand than we could ever wrap our hearts and minds around. When Jesus looks at his church, the, the party that he wants it to be, is something I just don't think we could fully understand. But he invites us to throw the parties that he would throw. He invites us to understand what he would do. And and what I want to attempt to do today in the time that we have left is just to to kind of open your heart and mind up and and our 
and our eyes up to see how Jesus would do this, to understand that we might get on page with him. And those of you who might be here for the very first time today, my, my hope for you is that in our time that we have left together, that maybe, just maybe, in these moments, you would begin to see the things of the kingdom and the things of the church in a different light. Like, I don't know how you viewed church up to now. I don't know how you've viewed this thing called a party. You probably didn't even think it was a party, but I'm going to convince you today that it's meant to be. And those of as a church, as you step into this new season, that, that you would just pay attention that, to how Jesus wants this to go down. Because, again, I believe the blessing of God upon this church and, and upon what he wants to do through you and in you is, is going to largely depend upon how you can align your heart up, your heartbeat up with where his heartbeat is. Amen, church? And I know that's the passion of this church. I know that's the desire of this church. So we just lean in right now to hear how Jesus would throw this party and what he intends for us as a church. We're in Luke chapter 14 today, and let me give you the backdrop to this. Up to this point, Jesus Jesus has been confronting the religious leaders of that day and their thoughts and their ideas of what the kingdom is all about. And he's absolutely challenging the religious thought of that day. He's, he's repainting the picture for people to understand what, what church is supposed to be like, what the kingdom really, really is. And so he's confronting these ideas. And where we find Jesus today, is he's, he's at the party of one of these religious Pharisees or these religious leaders that invited Jesus to a party. Jesus is at this party, and how many of you know when you invite Jesus to a party, it's going to get really interesting, somebody. Like, Jesus is going to make it interesting. And at this party, what, what we see is Jesus begins to reveal to us how he sees the kingdom, how he sees the things of the church. He's speaking specifically of the kingdom, but the church is central to the things of the kingdom. So how he sees the kingdom is how he sees the church. And, and what he would speak over the kingdom is what he would speak over the church. This is how he sees it. I don't know how you see it today, but you need to see it how Jesus sees it. And he's going to reveal that to you. Up until this point, Jesus um, is at the party, and he walks in, and there's this man that the religious leaders had invited to the party in order to try to trap Jesus. This is a man who's, who's sick with uh, a disease called drops in it was a Sabbath day that they were throwing this party. And you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to do, do uh, any kind of physical labor on the, on the Sabbath day because that's what the religious people tell you about how this party's supposed to go down. But Jesus goes in. He upsets the party. He's like, the very first thing he does, he walks in and he sees this man with dropsy, the man who's hurting most in the room. And, and Jesus' eyes are fixed upon the person who's hurting most in the room. How many of you know that when, when you show up to church, when you're around the things of the Lord, that when Jesus walks in a room, he... His eyes go to the person who's hurting the most. And I don't know how you came in here today or, or w what kind of pit you think you find yourself in today. I just want to tell you that wherever you are, however you came in, that the eyes of the Lord go to the person who's hurting. And the, and the heart of the Lord is to heal the person who's hurting. It always is. And Jesus goes to the person who's hurting, and he heals the person who's hurting. He heals him of his dropsy. And the religious leaders are like, that's not how we throw this party, Jesus. You don't understand. You're not allowed to do that on a Sabbath day. And Jesus is like, well, anyway, so if any of you had a donkey and he was trapped in a pit, wouldn't you pull him out even if it was the Sabbath day? And their heads are just spinning. And he goes, and so moving right along, he goes on, and he confronts some of the things in this party and shows us how he would throw a party. It tells us this in, G in Luke chapter 14. It says, when Jesus noticed that, when Jesus noticed that, all who had come to the dinner party were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table. 
he gave them this advice. He says, when you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit at the seat of honor. I'm going to explain to you what's going on there. He goes on to say this. Instead, he says, what if somebody invites you, or what if somebody who is more distinguished than you also has been invited? And when the the host comes, he'll say, hey, give give this person your seat, and then you're going to be embarrassed, and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the end of the table. Instead, he says, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, you, you have a better place for you. I have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want you to see what Jesus is showing us about the party he would throw. He's showing us the people that we're called to honor. The people we honor is what he's showing us. See, in that day at a party, when you throw a party, they would sit at the table, and depending on where your seat was at the table would speak to how, uh, what your position was within that community or within uh, how you were honored within that community. And so everybody's fighting for position. Listen, everybody's fighting for title. But Jesus says, if you're going to throw the party that I would throw, he says, you've got to understand this. It's not about position. It's not about title. This isn't about you, and you guys are fighting for title. Don't you love that Jesus speaks to things that no one wants to talk about? Like, this is happening in the room, and Jesus goes, ah, this isn't cool. This isn't how you throw a party. It's everyone pining for position, everyone fighting for title. Some guy gets up to use the restroom, like, I'm going to take that seat because it's closer to the host. He sits down, the guy comes back, sorry, I got your seat. Find his keepers, right? Because we're all fighting for position. We're all fighting for title. And Jesus goes, listen, if you want to understand the heartbeat of heaven, it's not about you pining for a position. It's not about you, you know, uh, finding, trying to take up a title. We would tell our, our launch team when we stepped up to plant our church and, and citizens, and I know the heartbeat of this church is exactly the same, friends, it's, is that when we throw, as we're called to throw the party that Jesus would throw, we understand that it's not about coming into places and atmospheres like this and trying to find title. It's not pining for position. We're not trying to find the VIPs from amongst us, right? And that's what they're all trying to do, trying to find out, well, who's the VIPs in our midst? Well, well Jesus is going, the VIPs aren't necessarily in our midst because this isn't about us trying to find a, a, a title. It's about us picking up a towel, amen? It's about us serving one another and serving alongside one another. And how many know the church is stronger when we're not fighting for title, but we're all willing to pick up a towel and to play the part that Jesus has called us to play in the midst of the thing that he's doing? So this isn't about me. It's about a us. It's not about a me. It's about a, about a we. Amen. Are you with me, church? And, and he says, so listen, stop, stop pining for position. Stop fighting for the seat of honor. He says, you want to know who the VIPs are? Because that's the question in one's head. I want that seat. I want that seat. Who's the VIP amongst us? Jesus goes on and he tells them the story in order to teach them who the people are that we're called to honor when you throw the party that he would throw. He goes on to say this. He turned to the host. He says, listen, when you put on a lunch in our banquet, when you throw a party, he said, don't invite just your your friends and your brothers and your relatives and your, your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And that they will um, be rewarded, and you'll have your reward. He says, instead, here's who you're supposed to invite. Here's who's supposed to be sitting in those seats. Here's the ones that are meant to be the VIPs in your midst when you throw the party that I would throw. Jesus says this, invite the what? Poor. Invite the cripple. Invite the lame. 
Invite the blind. Jesus says, listen to me. You want to know who the VIPs are when you're throwing the party that I would throw? The VIPs aren't just amongst ourselves. This is so important. How many of you know that something left to itself will always begin to focus on itself? It always turns inward. It always becomes me-centric. It always becomes about us, and we forget about the others. And so Jesus is going to get your eyes off yourself, right, and turn them on to the outside if you're going to throw the party that I would throw. In the early days in the, in, the, in the church, Jesus said, go into, as he ascended to heaven, he gave the church instructions. What were those instructions? Go into all the what? Help me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, go there. Get your eyes off self and go there. Move from where you are and where you need to be and where you need to be is into all the world. It literally means the sea of God rejecting humanity. Get up and go there. But you look at the church just months in, and where are they? They're still in Jerusalem, focused on self and keeping things safe and, and keeping things comfortable and, and wondering how to keep themselves protected from the world that Jesus called them to go out into. And so then God raises up this guy named Paul. And, and Paul then begins to move the church from Judea and into Samaria and to the othermost parts of the world just that Jesus has called them to. But Notice that the focus in the very beginning, Jesus said go, and they were like, we want to stay because it's comfortable. And Jesus would always shake up the church and always push the church from the inside to the outside. The focus was always on the outside. Here's the question that we need to ask. When we throw the party that Jesus calls us to throw, who are we filling the seats with? Who has Jesus called us to fill the seats with? He says, listen, it's not just about you. It's about others. It's not just about, listen, the people who are here. The people who are here are called to focus on the people who are not yet here. Jesus says, you want to know who the VIPs are, the people that we're supposed to honor? The people that we're supposed to honor, the VIPs, are the MIAs. The MIAs need to know they're the VIPs. The people who are lost and hurting and in desperation and need hope, when they show up to this, those are the ones you put in those seats of honor. And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. Because you want to know my heartbeat? My heart beats not just for the people who are here. My heart beats for the people who are not yet here. And how many of you are grateful to be a part of a church that is intentional about being for the people who are not yet here? Amen. That is willing to go to the poor and the naked and the crippled and the blind and the hurting. That is willing to take big steps of faith to see God move in powerful ways to continue to reach more people. How many of you are grateful for a church like that today? Amen. Come on, church. You with me? I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to be in the midst of that. You want to see the kind of party that Jesus would throw, you get your heartbeat in line with his heartbeat. And when Jesus was walking this planet, you'd ask him at any moment, Jesus, why are you here? Jesus would say this. He said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, why are you here? What's your focus? On the lost. I'm focused on the lost. When Jesus called his disciples, what did he call them into? He said, follow me and I will what? Make you fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me, and we're going to just have a bunch of potlucks and, and, and just invite the church. It's just going to all be about us. And invite me. We're going to sit in Starbucks and talk deep theological things, you know, and just kind of hang out. No, he said, follow me, and, and 
I'm going to teach you to reach some people who are not here yet. Sure, we're going to hang out in a Starbucks. We'll talk some theology, but that better be with the overarching goal of reaching some people who are not here yet. You understand? When Jesus was discipling his disciples, listen, what was he discipling his disciples to do? He was discipling his disciples to go in all the world and make disciples. Did somebody follow that? That was a lot of discipleship happening right there. But that's what Jesus was doing. Always, 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 always. He would tell, he would tell his, his disciples, today we're going to Samaria. They're like, Jesus, we don't go to Samaria. We don't go to that hood. Jesus, do you know what happens when we go to that hood? You can't park your car in that hood. Like, we don't go to Samaria. You will lose your rims, Jesus. Like, we don't want to do that. And Jesus is like, well, today you're going for me to Samaria. Why? Because there's a woman at the well who needs some hope. Has been from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Has found her life in a desperate situation. We're going to go there today because I'm going to teach you how to get your eyes off you. I'm going to teach you how to get your eyes on the poor and the hurting, the naked and the blind. Amen, church. But what about us and what about community? Oh, we're all about community. But you will never experience the community that God has called you to experience until you get bought into the cause as a community. Follow that for a second. Because you're not called to community, you're called to cause. And as you live after that cause, you experience a deeper sense of community ever known to man, the community that God intends for you to experience. Those disciples experienced incredible community as they lived focused on the cause. And church, listen, God has so much for you as you continue and as you always have. You step out and you focus on the cause. You throw the party that Jesus intends for you to throw. It goes on to say in Luke 15, if a man has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them, what does he do? Won't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Now watch this. Don't let me offend you. Let Jesus offend you. Here it is. He says, and when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call everyone together and say, friends and neighbors, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And he says, let me tell you what I'm talking about. In the same way, there is more joy. Somebody say more joy. How much joy? There's more joy. There's more joy in heaven over the one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than the 99 other righteous who haven't strayed away. Jesus, what do you think about me? He's like, I love you. You're in the church. I love you. But can I tell you when we're going to throw a party in heaven? Is when my lost kids come home. So Jesus, what do we do? He says, you join the search committee and you help us find those lost kids and get them home, somebody. Are you with me? That's the party that Jesus throws. The people we honor are the people that Jesus has put his eyes on. And as you put your eyes on the people that Jesus has his eyes on, you'll experience hope. You experience healing. You become a part of the body of Christ in a very powerful way that you wouldn't experience otherwise until you get locked into the cause. Are you with me? Is that making sense? So friends, get locked into the cause. Get locked into the focus and the vision of this church. Those are the people we honor. And let me talk to you about the, the party we throw or the time that we have as a church. How does Jesus view this? Let's go on to the scripture. It says this. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, well, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. He's one of those guys at the party. You know, they say something kind of off and weird, and you're like, okay. 
moving right along. Jesus did that to this guy. This guy, it would be so cool to be in heaven and have a kingdom party. And Jesus is like, anyway, you want to talk about the kingdom? And now watch what he says. He shows us the, how he, this is so important, because what you're going to see is how Jesus views the kingdom. He says, a man prepared, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And he says, a man prepared a what? Great feast. Say it with me. A what? Great. What kind of feast? A great feast. Jesus is literally showing you and I, through Scripture, how he sees the kingdom, how he views the church. And Jesus is like, listen, it's not just a feast. You need to hear this. It's not just a feast. It's a, say with me, great feast. It's not just a party. It's a great party. It's not just a place to be. It's the place to be. Jesus says, here's what the church is like. It's a big party. It's the best party around. It's the thing you don't want to miss week after week after week. What people are supposed to experience here, and when you get around the things of the kingdom, when you get around the things of God, it's just a big old party. It's just a big old welcome home. This is amazing party. And so the question we always need to ask ourselves when we're throwing the party that Jesus would call to throw is what are people experiencing? When they come, what are they experiencing I want you guys to know that from day one, Pastor Kerry and Megan's heart has always been that this would be a place that people just can't wait to get to. That, that week after week, you just tell yourself, I can't wait to get to church because it's a party. I can't wait to get around the people of God because the Lord's going to do something in my life. Someone's going to speak into my heart. Someone's going to encourage me. So God's going to do something. If I could just get around the things of Jesus, if I could, I'll clear my calendar to get there because I just know it's going to be a great party. And that's always been the heartbeat. And that's how God wants us to see this. God wants this to be the highlight of your week. God wants the church to be the people that you just can't wait to get around, that genuinely feel like family, that encourage you along the way. I think today this is challenging because people don't always see church this way, huh? You with me? Like when you ask your friends about church, like what's your view on church? The first word out of their mouth is probably not party. The first word is probably, well, when I stay awake through it sometimes, I could get some stuff out of it maybe, and they... There's just this view of church that doesn't quite line up with the heartbeat of church. Jesus is a great party, but how does the world see church? And why is there such a disconnect? How have we taken that something that's meant to be so magnificent and made it so miserable? I don't know how we've done that. It's not the heartbeat of Jesus, and it's not the heartbeat of this church. God intends for this to be powerful. He intends for this to be a great party. And by the grace of God, this will always be a place that knows how to party somebody. Amen? Are you with me? I want us to speak to some of, some of the rest of you. Jesus intends for this to be a party, but I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to join in on the party because we feel like when we do, maybe we're being, well, here's you. You think that reverent means stagnant. And I got to be reverent. I got to reverence the things of God. And so because I got to reverence the things of God, I'm going to walk in and you put a scowl on your face, somebody like I'm at church today. I'm gonna, and I know that you're not always like that. I've seen you at your kid's soccer party, some uh, soccer game, right? You're at that soccer game, and you're screaming, and you're partying, and you're yelling up and down the field, and you're, right? I've seen you out. I've seen you watch some football games on TV, somebody. I've seen you yelling at your TV screen, and you're all into it. But then you come to church, and we're going to be reverent in the name of Jesus. So I'm gonna put it. 
sacrifice because we're serious at church. I think that offends God, honestly. What if, what if I threw a big party and I bring out the live band and there's a dance floor and I got food and I got environment and I've, I've, I've put my, I've, 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 it's cost me a lot. How many of you know that the party Jesus throw has cost him more than you could ever understand? And, and I do all this and I go through all this expense to throw this party and y'all just show up and stand around on the wall. I'm going to tell you right now, wallflowers, I'm going to be offended. And I just think sometimes that with what we call reverence is actually offensive to the Lord. He wants you just to relax a little bit. Oh, come on. I know I'm rattling some cages, but listen to me. He wants you to enjoy this. Just take a big, deep breath of fresh air and have some fun around the things of God. Amen. This is fun, everybody, right? This is fun, and it's meant to be. And just allow yourself to enjoy it. David danced before the Lord. It's okay to get yourself moving a little bit. Sing out with all your heart. I don't got a good voice. That's why it's loud in here. We don't have to hear you, right? You just let it rip. Like, just let it go because you're meant to just enjoy this atmosphere. It's what God desires. Amen, church. Are you with me? Let me talk to you about the invitation that we give. The invitation that we give. Goes on to say this in Luke 14. Jesus says, when the banquet was ready... Someone say it was ready. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests. Now listen, the party's ready. Jesus is getting ready to throw down. The church is getting ready to throw down. And and here's our job. He tells the servant to go out and tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Just come, for the banquet is ready. It goes on to say, but they all began making excuses. And one said, I have just bought a field, and I've, I've, I've got to go inspect it first. Would you please excuse me? And another said, well, I have to, you know, I just bought five pair of oxen, and i got to try them out. And this guy, this guy had a really bad excuse. He's like, well, you got to excuse me. Another one said, because i got a wife now. And that's just like never a good excuse, somebody. Like, just, I would go to your party, but she won't let me. I already know she's not going to let me. Bad excuse. The servant returned and told the master what they had said. And his master was furious and he said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys and the towns and invite the poor, invite the cripple, invite the blind, invite the lame. And the servant came after he had done this and he reported, he says, there is still more room. And his master said, well, then go into the country and the lanes and behind the hedges and urge, urge anyone you find to come that my house might be full. Listen, here's our job, church. The invitation we give is simple, and I think a lot of people don't ever invite, don't ever bring. A lot of people who don't understand the things of the church don't ever see things the way that God sees things because we're unwilling just to take the steps he's called us to take. And here's the first one, church. Listen, it's just come with me. Did you notice at the beginning? He said, come with me. Come with me. Here's your first step. And we're going to take this to the, this week, right? Listen, I challenge you to utter those words to somebody this week. Come with me. I am so surprised in the church today how many people show up to church and they love God with all their heart, but they, they and their church are the only ones that know it. 
Because you show up to church on Monday morning and you're in the environment of, of your sphere of influence, whether it's at work or it's at school or it's wherever you might be, and everyone in your sphere of influence, they don't even know that you're one of them church people. Because you've not taken that step, that boldness just to say, would you come with me? How many of you know that your relationship with Christ is not meant to be something that's private? It's meant to be something that's very public. That's what baptism is all about. And something beautiful happens in your life when you take something that's meant to be public and you allow it to go public. Some of you all just need to go public this week. Amen? You need to step into what Jesus has for you. And when you do, when you line your heartbeat with his heartbeat, when you get your life in line with what he has for your life, by simply just saying, come with me, going public, saying, I'm one of them. Yep, call me Jesus freak, whatever it is. I don't care. Not supposed to talk about religion at at work. Oh, yes, we do. And we're going to. Because I'm just, I can't hide this anymore. I can't. Would you just come with me? Simple. How was your week? What would you do this weekend? Well, we did this, we did this, we did this. What would you do this weekend? Well, I did this, this, this. And I went to church, and it was a party, right? And that's what you tell people. It's just that simple. Come with me. And that's, for some of you listening, that'll change your life if you would just be willing. So this is what I want you to do. Go through your heart and mind, and the people that are close to you but they're far from God, would you just be willing this week to say, listen, come with me. Come with me. Now watch the second part. Come with me for everything is ready. Come with me for everything is ready. That is so important. And I love the fact that this is a church. And if you're new here today, you know this because you saw this. This is a church that is ready. You don't show up and it's just kind of like, well, I guess we'll put out some signs or something. And I guess we'll maybe have a sound check. And I guess we'll maybe do the lights. And I guess maybe there's none of that. It's like, no, we're, we're ready. And so what that allows you to do is you can say, come with me, because you know everything's going to be ready. Well, why is, important, why is it important that everything is ready? Why is it important that everything is done right? Friends, listen to me. Everything has to be ready. You're called, we're called, remember, to honor the people who are not here yet. And when you invite the people who are not here yet, you want to have them step into an atmosphere that is ready. Do you ever wonder why? Do you ever wonder why, like, Pastor Carrie and Megan, I'm the same way at my church. Like, okay, let's get that right. Let's get that fixed. Let's, let's, and they're always like working to make everything ready. And you're kind of like, well, like every little detail is thought through. And every, you don't even understand like how, like I always tell my church, I'm just a little anal about this stuff. And you just got to deal with me on this stuff. And I know it's the same way around here. It's like, we're going to be ready and there's excellence and everything. Well, why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? And you need to know this. It matters immensely. It matters. Everything matters because everyone matters, right? You with me? And everyone matters. And people need to understand when they show up to a place like this that they're loved and they're valued and they're cared for. That we've been expecting them, that we've been waiting for them, and we can't wait to honor them as our VIP in the midst. And if you're new today, I want you to know you're a VIP here. Like this is, we're here for you. Wherever you are, whatever you've been through, this is here for you, been praying for you, thinking of you all week long. When you show up to this place, the reason it was ready, the reason that stuff mattered to us and mattered to this church is because you matter to us. And listen, it is imperative. It is more important than you could ever imagine that people know they matter to the church. How do you let somebody know that they matter? How do you know that a guest is honored? You know that you could tell how honored that guest is or how much that guest matters? Depending upon how much preparation was put into their arrival. 
Like when you have a valued guest over, you're going to put some preparation into their arrival. It's not just like, well, I guess I should have done the dishes. You're going to get them done because you want that guest to know that they're honored. Now listen, know that they're valued. Well, why does it matter that they know they're valued? Friends, listen, people will never know or never believe that they matter to God until they know that they matter to the church. You can't communicate that you value and you're, you're, you matter to God until they believe or until they know that they matter to the church. Those things go hand in hand. So Pastor Kerry can get up here and preach like, you matter to God, you matter to God, you matter to God, but everything in the environment says, but you just don't matter to us. It doesn't work like that. It all works hand in hand. As we honor the people God's called us to honor, as we throw the party that God throws, calls us to throw, as we prepare in the way that he calls us to prepare, we can say, come with me, for everything is ready. Let me show you two last things. He says, urge them to come. So it's a, it's a, it means to be passionate about it. It's, it's like, there's, there's like life and death are, 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 are hanging in the balance. Eternity's in the balance. It's like, I, I, it's not just like, come with me sometime, time, time, time. It's like, I'm going to get a, like a, like an RSVP to this thing. Like, you're going to let me know. And I'll, next Sunday, this, I'll meet you out front. The 16th is coming up. Oh, I just, it, would, it would mean so much to me that you would be there with me. It, it, it would mean the world to me. It would be such a big support to me if you could just come and, and be a part of this thing, right? And you, you get an RSVP. I'll meet you out front. I'll buy you lunch, somebody, after service, if I have to. Because there's eternity in the balance. And there's, there's lives in the balance. And these things matter. So I'm just going to challenge you. Just invite somebody. You bring them out. Urge them, he says, to come, that my house might be what? Full. How many of you know Jesus wants his house full? I've heard it said, and it frustrates me so much when people say, well, it's not about the numbers. And I, I churches that are focused on numbers. And it's like, give me, like, have you read your Bible? Like, in the Bible, like, Jesus is all about the numbers. Give me proof. Acts. Read the book of Acts. You can't get through three chapters without going numbers, 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 numbers. God added to the church daily. Added. That's mathematics. That's a number. He said he added 5,000 to the church that day. How many? How do you know there's 5,000 people there? I mean, somebody was sitting there counting. One, two. Okay, there's about 5,000. Why'd they count? Because numbers matter. Why do numbers matter? Because people matter. Every one of those numbers, every one, every one is a person. It's a story that needs to be touched by Jesus that needs hope. So we'll go after the masses. How? By going after the one and going after the one and going after the one. We'll prepare for the one. And through that heartbeat, God, as we do all that we can do, God just shows up and does more than we could ever do. We line our heartbeat with his, and he just breathes upon it in ways that you can just never explain. You can never, never even have fathomed before. And so, churches, I just want to press you. I, you're, you're on the cusp of a, of, a, of a magnificent story that God is writing in his church. Would you just align your heartbeat with his? And you could tell your friends to come because it's going to be ready. And I'll close with this. The reason we can be ready and the reason your church can be ready is because the kingdom is ready. Because Jesus is ready. Like we can't do this without the fact that the kingdom is ready. We can't do this without the fact that Jesus has prepared a way. Jesus, listen to me right now. Jesus has prepared a way for you to find hope. Jesus has prepared a way for you to be forgiven. 
Jesus has prepared a way for you to experience healing from whatever you've walked through, from whatever you've been through. He's prepared the way. He's a prepared God for a very unprepared people. Amen? It's a finished work for an unfinished people. Some of you have walked in here today broken. You've walked in here today hurting. You've walked in here today unfinished. God knows that. That's why he went before you to prepare the way so he could carry you into all that he has for your life. And what it starts with today is you just responding to his invitation. Come, I've prepared the way. Jesus is coming to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I'm just going to ask you right now in this moment, if your heart's been in a place of restlessness, if you've been trying to find life, I'm going to tell you right now, it, it's found in just surrendering and responding to that invitation of Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today as we close. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this time together. And God, I want to pray for those in here who have just been experiencing restlessness in their soul. God, what that is, is that their heart is being called and invited to a party that they're meant to be a part of. And Lord, they've been trying to find party in the things of the world. They've been trying to find life in the things of, 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 of the society. And God, it's, it's, it's left them empty time and time again, and they know it. And God, their mouth has gotten sick to the taste of everything that they've tried because it's always, always given them the same result. Emptiness and bitterness and sourness. And God, it's never produced life. And today, Jesus, right now, you're inviting those weary souls home. You're inviting them to the party that they were meant to be a part of. This is the invitation, and their job today is simply to respond. And listen, with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Right now, wherever you are, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to come home today, you need to do business with Jesus. You want to know today that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You want to be cleansed of your sins. You want to step into the party that you're meant to be a part of and come home to the house you're meant to live in. This is your moment right now. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. Prayer is simply talking to Jesus. And as I pray, you repeat your prayer after me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of just simply surrendering your life to God today. So as I pray, I'm going to ask that you'd repeat your prayer after me. You would surrender your life. you just come home right now. You'd let him who's prepared a way cleanse you, forgive you, and wash you. that you love me right where I am not a future version of me but me as I am and today I want to surrender my life to you I want to ask that you would be my Lord and that you would be my Savior Jesus I thank you for going to the cross on my behalf and giving your life in my place that I could be forgiven I thank you for rising from the grave to lead me into life. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and God, that you would help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I surrender to you now in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com and if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at and we'll get back to you shortly. 
Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.